Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, the place to learn field-tested, no BS tactics to growth hack your online business, and finally, live life on your own terms. Now, your host, Gael and Mark. Hey guys, welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. Today, I'm with Mark. How's it going, Mark? It's going good, and hopefully you can hear me loud and clear on my new Rode Podcaster microphone. Very happy with this yeah, so Mark far. basically just copied my setup, so he just went, no, you didn't come to my place, he just asked me what I had. And that's it. And now we have the same microphone, but I'm sure for some reason, because of the room I'm in, you're going to sound much better. But anyway, I want to thank you for joining us this week. If you want to find the notes for this podcast, you will find them on atarihacker.com slash tools dash 2018. And as the URL says, we are going to talk about tools, but we're more going to talk about like picking tools rather than giving you lists of tools and how we pick tools for our business. Because it's kind of super important. If you pick the wrong tool, it can really mess up with your business, etc. But before we get into that, I want to say I am done recording my part of TAS and I'm very excited. I know, Mark, you're finishing up, but uh, for the members of TAS that are listening, TAS being the authority site system, which is our course on starting a new website. Yeah, it should, the update should come in the next few weeks now. I'm pretty sure now that I'm done with the, the teaching. Are you going to be done soon? Yeah, on Monday. I'll be finished. Awesome. All right. So if you are a member of HPro or the Autority Site System, you're going to get this update soon. People who will join later might get it a little bit after just because we're testing it with current members. But yeah, that's basically coming really soon. So it's, now it's not, it's not just an update though. It's like, it's, I mean, it's we've, we've, it's we've like, updated <laughs> courses in the past and it, you know, it takes a few weeks or whatever. We've literally spent what, four months, four five months. months? I'm on this June. Like I was checking my first videos and they were recorded beginning of June. And right now it is... The, the folder uh, we have on G Drive is called TAS 2.0 May, June 2018. And it's now the 21st of September as we record this. So. <laughs> There's a hundred videos or something. So yeah, if you guys like our voice and you are in the side system, well, you might hate it at the end. But anyway, let's jump onto the topic of the podcast. That was really just a minor announcement for the people who are members. Let's talk about uh, tools, how to pick them for your business, what they can do for your business, and how they can hurt your business as well. We have examples of both. We have times where tools have done. We have times when tools have done amazing things for us, and we have times when tools have you know made us lose a lot of time. And we're going to talk about both these cases. We do name drop. I don't really want to like throw the ball at some people. It's not always their fault. It's also our fault many times, but let's talk about why it's important to get it right. And I think you probably should take that one. I think in a large part, the tools which you choose will fundamentally determine the success or failure of your of your business. If you're in a web-based kind of enterprise, like most people I presume listening to this are, then that's absolutely the case. Maybe if you're a, I don't know, taxi driver or, you know, have some other kind of business, it's, it's less critical but imagine you know a world without wordpress or a world without gmail like how unimaginable it is to run your business without those things and that sort of tells you you know just how crucial these are now most people i presume listening to this will probably be using gmail g suite and wordpress for their sites although i know not everyone um, i like my hotmail yeah 
if there is anyone still using Hotmail, then uh, you should probably unsubscribe. <laughs> no. Yeah, goes the audience. It's like we're already complaining about the growth rate. Great. <laughs> so, yeah, basically, we think of those things as, you know, just givens that we would obviously use G Suite for running our, our business, right? Uh, or WordPress for, for our website. But there are many other tools which are not quite so obvious which one you should be using. And we've gone over the years, we've gone back and forth on uh, a number of these, you know, email providers, even more recently, like the, you switched back to Camtasia for doing video editing, like little things like this. And they're not sort of as fundamental. They're not going to make or break your business by, you know, using Camtasia versus Final Cut, but it does impact, really impact like a lot of things as you run your business over the long term. Especially the long term for rendering videos because Camtasia takes twice more than Final Cut. Yeah, it's Mac only though, right? Yeah, so then, you know, if you want to collaboratively work with uh, other people such as myself or, you know, a video editor, then you're going to have issues if you're using different tools. So, you know, yeah, it's, yeah, it's fine. I made the switch. <laughs> yeah. it, it's just like one example though of like an infinite amount of little things which can impact, you know, how well your, your business operates. And you had one example with like active campaign. You, what was he, you're talking about there with the Facebook audiences? Yeah. So basically some features in tools will really change your business a lot. One example of something that we use right now. So it's not an old example or something like that is how we use active campaign. I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you've seen our Facebook ads and we run Facebook ads on a you know a decent base now for Tori Hacker. And the way we actually put you in an audience or another, so like you know, the very engaged audience, the audience that's inside the funnel, the audience that's outside the funnel, etc., is actually done by active campaign. And you know, you can do these things with the Facebook Pixel using you know more complex things, but a tool like Active Campaign, which is normally an email tool, has all these behaviors saying like, oh, if people go on this page, you know, start this automation. If people open this email, do this. If people, so we can really set rules based on your behavior and how you interact with the site. And there's not really any other tool that allows you to do that for Facebook audiences. So ever since Active Campaign has added the option to not only trigger email-based things and SMS-based messaging, but also adding people to different Facebook audiences, we are able to do much more granular targeting for Facebook ads. So if you're in a funnel, we know if you're on day one, day two, day three, day four, and we're able to show different ad messages for that. And this is an example of like picking the right tool for, for the right job. And to the point where I would say that even if in some battles with other email marketing tools, ActiveCampaign would probably lose, I would say, is it the absolute best data variability? When we tested it last year, it wasn't. I think ConvertKit had the highest one, but not by much. But the fact that Active Campaign lets you do the Facebook ad syncing just brings so much more to us than like losing one or two points of deliverability. So it's that is what the kind of stuff that picking the right tool will do for you. And for us, it's thousands of dollars per month just by just by picking these tools essentially. So yeah, that's just an, a real life example of what picking the right tool does for you an active campaign we, we like it all. now the flip side of that is that if you don't need that feature but you then kind of get this like shiny object syndrome oh you know that that sounds really cool maybe you have the facebook ads one day etc yeah, yeah but you know you haven't even built your site yet or you don't don't have an email list then is that really a consideration that you need to be worrying about at, at this stage we'll get nah. on 
Okay, fine. Yeah, I will not answer. Let's, let's tease it. <laughs> you get the answer in five episodes. <laughs> no, I mean, it's like not really, because when you start an email list, transferring your list is very easy and it's, it's, it's not a problem. I would probably just go with a cheap one. I would, you don't even need to start with Active Campaign, to be honest. I'd say, I'd say in this case, ConvertKit is probably a better tool. It's just easier to use. And then you can come to more advanced tools when you need it, which are, We'll bring up another story, but I'll talk about it later, about how we bought Infusionsoft when we had no email <laughs> list. And I think we spent over $3,000 to send about 500 emails. Yeah. So yeah, we'll talk about that story later in the next episode. Yeah. But go ahead. So, I mean, there's obviously a lot of things that choosing the, the right tool can do you know, for you. And like when you get it right, it's, it, you know, really can help your business and you can make, you know, a lot of money if you unlock the right feature, which you, you wouldn't otherwise have had access to. But at least in our experience, like the, the majority of the kind of impact, I'd say, of, of tools, at least when we're starting out, I think back when we had our, our agency from like 2010 to 2015, was actually like getting the cost really of getting it wrong, like picking the wrong tools that we didn't need or that were like we weren't going to use or were not going to age well, basically. And I think more recently, actually, we had the example of like Intercom. So if you came on our support, like if you're a member and you noticed a little icon at the bottom right of our member area or on a sales page, I think it was there as well. You could like chat, yep. chat with us. We had uh, live support during office hours. But Intercom is this like fascinating tool. It's like really, really well built. It's a great team behind it. Like it does so much. But ultimately, we used about 1% of its functionality. We were basically using it as a chat tool when it can do all this other like user onboarding. And it's basically a CRM in itself. And it's very complicated to set up. There's lots of kind of options and, you know, different uses for it. But we were not using any of them or we were only using one of them, really. And do you know why we were using it? Do you know why we picked Intercom? Why? Mostly because literally I heard Pat Flynn interview some guys that had a membership on a podcast. And they're like, oh, he's Intercom. It's so great, etc." And then like an idiot, I signed up for it and just implemented Intercom, which costed like five times more than any other chat tool. Yeah, I mean, it's a good chat tool. Don't get me wrong. It does have its its, its issues, but they've really improved. They really work on it a lot. Like, as I said, I, I really think Intercom has a great team and... Had we had like a little bit of a different business, maybe like a software as a service kind of tool, yeah, which I think it's really meant for, yeah, I, you know, I would definitely use it, of course. But more recently, we switched to a tool called Crisp, the URLs Crisp.chat, which is, I think, like a, less than a quarter of the price. And has more options that we use. Like it has a, a help desk where we can create articles that answer people's questions, etc. which is nice. It's kind of like a mini site and so on. Yeah. You can take over people's screen, log in for them, do all sorts of things. It does things that Intercom didn't do that we actually use more. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. And I, I guess I should have really checked how much money we've spent with Intercom since we, we started. Because we had it on both Health Ambition and Authority Hacker. But like for sure, it's over $10,000. For, yeah, for sure. Five figures. Yeah. And you know why we use Crisp? Because I saw then a Glenn Aslop from uh, uh, Detailed slash Viper Chill use it on his membership, and I copied them as well. So that is the story for everyone that wants to know how I figured it out. I, I, I tend to use a site called builtwiz.com and put all my competitors' sites in it. So you can just Google it, built with, 
And then you can just put a URL in, buildwith.com, and then it's going to show you a lot of the tools people use. And that's one of my favorite ways of discovering new tools for, for our websites. And that's one of the ways I discovered Chris Patrick. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, if you pick a tool like Intercom and you're not using 90% of it, then it's going to be a bit of a waste of money for you. It's going to be expensive. You're going to have extra costs in there. But there's also the case where you can sort of be trapped or locked into a, a, a tool that can be difficult to move out of. And this is particularly true with any kind of anything to do with your website. So I'm thinking here, I know where we're going. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Thrive Architect, Thrive Content Builder has been an issue for us lately. But it could be, you know, WordPress itself. If you want to move from WordPress to, to another system, it's going to be like a real pain in the ass to do that. Could be elemental one day. Like, don't throw the stone, the stone at Thrive. We don't know. For, uh, for like sure. Really, for sure. And like, we're really happy with Elementor today. The only difference is Elementor is open source, so we can hire a developer to go and fix issues that we may have where Stripe was not. So gives us a bit more of a guarantee. Yeah. So, I mean, like, this is the thing. Th- things are always going to change, and you're always... Whatever you're using now is probably not the same tool that you're going to be using in 10 years' time, save for a handful of things like, you know, your email or something. But again, who knows? It could all change. But I I guess the point is, if you choose the wrong tool here, you can suffer from being trapped. Uh, I know one of my friends uses... Entreport. I can't remember. Uh, Entreport, yeah. One of those uh, two, yeah. which is basically like a, an all-in-one tool. And we'll talk a little bit about those later that manages you know, your email list, your sales pages, your funnel, your cart, like your affiliate program, all that in one, which is you know great in theory. But it also means that it's very difficult to, to move out of that. And these tools, some of them are pretty good about letting you sort of port your data, but not all of them are. And it can be very challenging. You know, with when we moved out of Thrive Architect into just basic WordPress in the case of uh, Health Ambition. We had a guy who was working full-time to migrate the, that content, and it took For four months. Took months. Or yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I think it was a little bit less but the than thing that. Is, but, there were th- Thrive, Go ahead. I, I just wanted to defend Thrive a little bit, because for their defense, Thrive Content Builder, when you cut it, like everything would disappear, right? Thrive Architect, when you cut it, they do the best they can to put it back on the default WordPress editor, the exact same as Elementor does, right? The only problem is when you are an idiot like we have been and put a bunch of boxes everywhere and all that stuff, well, this stuff doesn't translate very well in default WordPress editor. So when you cut Thrive, everything breaks. Um, yeah, but for the, their defense... That four months as well, you know, we were doing a lot of... We were fixing all the images which we had broken and like stuff like that as well. So it's, you know, it's, it's not a kind of doomsday scenario here. Yeah, and the site was up still. Like we just ran that on the staging site. It's not like the site broke and we lost money or anything. Just nothing was happening. Exactly what's happening on the Toy Hacker right now as we're releasing this podcast. I have been working on the staging site for about two months now. Uh, it's ninety percent ready, but you know the site is just standing still. We're just releasing podcasts here and there. We're not releasing content. Exactly what happened on Health Ambition, and it's, it's kind of like it's it's interesting this story because it's happening twice this year to us. And it's it's kind of like the cost of, it's both the fault of the tool and our fault on how we used it. It's the fault of the tool because there's no easy way to move out of it. In the case of Strive Architect, if you were using the capabilities of the tool, there's no easy way to move out of it. But the truth is, if you do the same thing with Elementor, so you make fancy pages on Elementor, then you cut Elementor, you, you get, basically get the same issue. So it's not something that the market has figured out yet, how to move out of there in a clean way. And I think that there would be huge value for page builders and a lot less people would be scared of jumping 
in with page builders if there was a better solution found to this issue. But the second one is because we did not think of this scenario when we built the sites originally, both for health ambition and for authority hacker, when came the time to change technology, the cost was massive because you essentially have to rebuild everything you have. On authority hacker, we have rebuilt every single blog post, every single podcast, a lot of things, like a lot of URLs are even changing and so on. So when we're going to put it live, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting time. That's because when you build your site in the first place, you don't think about it. You get blinded by the possibilities of the tools you're using, but you, you don't really think of your exit strategy. And I think thinking of your exit strategy when you pick tools, whatever tool that is, is very important. That's why, for example, when I mentioned Elementor versus Thrive Architect, the one thing that I like about Elementor is that actually the core plugin is open source. So I can go on Upwork and hire someone to add a functionality to Elementor and or fix it and or develop our own parallel version to Elementor. And this is my exit strategy. Or even just build a, a transition plugin that will go and grab the data and transition it back to something that puts us back on the WordPress editor without breaking everything. So, yeah, that's the maturity we've gained from making a lot of mistakes speaking. It's, it's also as well about how you use the tool. So in the case of Drive Architect Elementor, this year we've kind of come to the realization that we actually need to simplify the kind of structure and layout of a lot of our, our content. And we've done that on the new health emission site. We don't even use Elementor in any of the blog posts at all. Um, yeah. I think we use AWP for the uh, like tables and stuff, which we, we did a little custom development stuff. But the new authority hacker is like, there's nothing that anyone without code can't replicate themselves. So we, we want to take that approach, which I think, which is different, but I think it's ultimately forcing us to like figure out a lot of the, you know, how do we do review boxes and, you know, all this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But it's also kind of made us question like, you know, do we really need to have like all this fancy call out boxes and, you know, all this stuff like everywhere in the post or can we maybe like simplify it a little bit and have it looking a little bit more, more clean. So, you know, it's a debate that's come up. And to, to that, I would say we still have to put a bunch of boxes in Yotari Hacker, mostly because a lot of the content relied on that so far. So for the old posts, we kind of had to maintain that, but for the new posts, we're definitely going to turn it down. And we use custom fields and things that are more native to WordPress to build all these things. But that is the newbie mistake. It's like trying to build everything visually, trying to get things out quick, and not thinking of your exit strategy and or when technologies would change. And I think the same arguments will come up when we start talking about all-in-one tools because it's kind of the same. Another thing as well is tools that get uh, abandoned and all bowed out, etc., so an example I have for that is Lead Player by Lead Pages that we used to use at the beginning of Authority Hacker. Essentially, that was it was built by the team from Lead Pages, but then Lead Pages took off and they just abandoned it knowingly, even though that was quite a popular plugin. It allowed you to collect emails on your YouTube videos on your site and essentially do a lot of things that Vimeo and Wistia allow you to do on your site. But on YouTube videos, which was cool because when people were playing, it was adding views to your YouTube account and adding some organic visibility to your content while also collecting emails for you if the video was viewed on your site. Really cool tool. And I, I, I think there's one or two alternatives today. But yeah, we relied on that to embed all our videos on our site. And then this plugin stopped updating and then everything got outdated. And then uh, there was actually some security breaches, I think, with this plugin. I'm not sure I need to recheck. But essentially, we decided to go back and rechange our video embed codes. And that was another three, two, two days of work, two, two or three days of work to just find all these videos, go and swap them, etc. So when you pick tools, I tend to like to 
see some history behind them, see that they've been around for like a year, look at the update frequencies, new features frequencies, visit the support forums, all these things to kind of like show the history of the tool for like brand new tools. Nowadays, I would probably not rely on these tools to to build any site, even though they look better, even though they have more fancy, shiny features, etc. I would, uh, worst case, I would just sit and wait, not change anything for now, and then come back in six I, months. I would that's, say that's like one, one case fairly recently where that like we did the opposite of that and it actually worked out quite well in our favor was when uh, Mailshake first came out. So Mailshake is yeah. like an email outreach tool. Previously, we'd used GMAS. Mailshake, at the, at the time it launched, it did basically the same thing, just with a slightly better interface. And it was on AppSumo, and we, we managed to bag a few accounts off of that. And we still use it to this day, like almost every single day in our company. And it's been fantastic, but it had no history as well. So, Yeah, but for this tool, it's a bit different because on Mailshake, from GMAS to Mailshake, both of these are outreach tools for link building. You can just swap from one to the other overnight without much effect on your business. Whereas something like a page builder or something that you know people yeah. rely on to visit your content, your content every day, it's much more difficult to update later. You need to update everything you've built with that tool so far, or as switching from GMS to Mailshake, you just need to update your next campaign. Well, that's a really good point. And I think the, the one thing I would add to that is that we actually took a lot of care to maintain a unsubscribe list or a blacklist kind of outside of the tools. Because I know you can export it really easily, at least now from Mailshake, but I can't remember if you could do that uh, or there were some issues with that in GMAS originally, if I remember correctly. But we had like, we maintained that list outside of the tools just in a spreadsheet. And so when we moved tool, it meant that we could actually move our unsubscribe or our, our suppression list at, at the same time. So that was kind of precaution we took there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this all comes from experience. It's like, when you start doing online business, you're going to get excited. I think that's a good time now to talk about the AppSumo effect. Let's call it that way. And I'm good friends with Noah, who, Noah Kagan, who's uh, running AppSumo. And, and honestly, AppSumo is awesome. Like You get really good value. We just talked about Mailshake. One of the tools that we use the most, they probably hate us because we pay $29 and we send thousands and thousands of emails. Oh, but at the same time, I think we're probably one of their biggest brand advocates. They don't have an affiliate program. Yeah, we, we don't get paid anything for us. Like, <laughs> GMAS has an affiliate program, but honestly, Mailshake is better. You should use Mailshake. Yeah, okay. Maybe we should talk to them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyway, it's so good. But like, we should talk about AppSumo because AppSumo is like, you know, I go on the Atari Hacker Pro group, which is uh, like the group for our members for Atari Hacker Pro. And, you know, every two weeks or something, there, there's going to be some kind of tool on AppSumo.com. If you don't know what it is, it's basically Groupon for online marketing tools, startup tools kind of stuff. It's a bit broader than what we do. It's not always like online marketing. It can be productivity and things like this. But they release really, really good deals, like tools that you would normally pay $29, $39, $49 per month. This time you pay $39 one-off and you get it forever. So they, I don't know how they do it, but they get amazing deals on tools and it's it's great. The problem is, I mean, there's two problems. One, the exact same thing that happens on Groupon happens on AppSumo, meaning some guy is trying to sell you some product he bought on Alibaba, or in this case, a product he copied from someone else and he just developed on AppSumo so that he makes a big offer. That's what happens on, on Groupon and happens to a lesser extent on AppSumo. So like brand new tools coming out that have not been proven that maybe some guys, they're just using AppSumo to make a big amount of cash and then not do not intend to maintain it. 
that can happen. That's one problem. The second problem is shiny object syndrome. You are going to be pulled left and right for new tools, and it's going to give you ideas. Like I know that a tool called ConvertFox that is a mix of, once again, an all-in-one of email, chat on your site, CRM, etc. that a lot of people use, but they don't even run an email list properly or anything. And, and I feel like you end up collecting these tools because they're so cheap and you log in for a week because you're excited and then you completely drop them. I mean, like the only tool from AppSumo that we log in regularly that we bought is definitely MailShake. I would say deposit uh, photos to- as well. They had, Every so often they have oh, a really yeah, good true. deal on uh, on that. And I would say if you're on a budget, Substat, when they run the deal, is amazing because it's much cheaper than Ahrefs and you get 50% of the data that Ahrefs would give you maybe. But you pay like 49 bucks one time versus 99 bucks a month. So it's a it's good value. Yeah, on um, honestly, yeah, not it, subscribe to AppSumo, go there and subscribe. It's good. Just be aware that you really have to filter out you know, 90% of the, the tools because they're kind of like superfluous to what your core business is you're not going to actually rely on them as like a core part of 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 what you're trying to do and they can be a sort of you know distraction it's going to steer you away from what you're doing as well it's not just like you won't need it it's like you're like oh my god with this tool i can automate my facebook page posting or i can make fancy images for social media and then you get really excited and well you've wasted a day you've spent 79 bucks and then a week later, you're not using it. And it's not their fault. It's your fault. Yeah. Uh, but My, my but, all-time uh, I mean, favorite for one of that was... Uh, so Gail spent like an hour trying to convince me that we should buy this tool. Uh, uh, which I know, was... Yeah. I forget what it was called, but it's like a, a funnel mapping... Jeru, I think. Yeah, fu- yeah G-E-R-U. funnel mapping tool where you, you basically draw your funnel <laughs> and you can like play around with conversion rates and you can like look at project profitability and, and that kind of stuff. And it's like, oh, if we just, you know, like use this to make like one good decision, we'll make thousands of dollars. And we never used it. It, we, we tried to use it, but when you actually get into it, it was a lot more limited than the sales video. It. <laughs> uh, it may be better now. I don't know. I, we probably still have the lifetime option for it. I'll check. But. And that's one thing that to talk about is the hype that surrounds these products in general, right? Because like, obviously, the sales pitch is hard. And you know, when we sell stuff, like I'm also selling hard. I'm not going to hide it. That's just how the industry works, right? There's going to be a lot of hype. But what you always forget is the amount of work it's going to take you to run the tool. One, I mean, like a tool like Active Campaign, for example, if you have never heard of it, and because I mentioned it in this podcast, and you're going on the site, and you're like, oh my God, you can just automate everything. And it's true, you can. You can build sales funnels that make you thousands of dollars per month while you sleep. We've done it before, but you know what? It's taken me hundreds of hours to do that. And Active Campaign didn't do it on its own. I had to spend a lot of time learning it, I had to spend a lot of time working on it and your first try won't be the best and another thing you need to to consider as well that goes together with the argument of being careful of new tools is the usability problems so you're going to sales page and they're going to promise you you can do this you can do that you can do everything the truth is the more complex a tool is and that's going to go back to the all-in-one debate that comes later i'm really teasing that is that there will be bugs so Perfect example, and we have filled for active campaigns, but here's a bug that happened to us. We had that sales campaign for a funnel, did the Facebook audience trick that I was mentioning. So you were on day one, it was sending an email, adding you to an audience day one. Then you get on day two, sends you an email, puts you on this different audience, day two takes you off from the day one audience, etc. 
And then one day, Active Campaign decided to update their software. And what happened is every time you would hit a Facebook step, your automation would stop, meaning all our contacts stopped on day one. And it means that nobody was going to the sales funnel. And then the sales completely dried out. Why? Because our emails were not going out anymore because it was always in the same sequence. And then Facebook ads as well. People were getting that audience for 24 hours. No, no. They would stay on that audience, on a day one audience, keep seeing the same ad. And that's basically it. And everything dried out completely. Nothing worked, etc. Contacted Active Campaign. They, after three chats, they recognized it was a bug. And we had to rebuild the automations through two automations, one that automates the Facebook part and one that automates the email. So if one breaks, at least the other keeps going. So this is the kind of usability problems you're going to find all the time, all the time with all these tools. And I was playing with Thinkific the other day. It was the same thing. I'm playing with... Elemental, there's a few itchy things that, that can be ironed out. Notably, post type for using templates has been a little a little buggy, and I had to change the way I built the authority hacker site. And all of them will have these little bugs. For, like when we call each other on Slack, it doesn't change the microphone based on your system one if you change it after you initiated the call. And it's going to keep going like that forever. All these tools will have issues, which is why you want to focus on simple tools and it's not exactly what you're going to see on the sales page that's going yeah. to happen. You're going to be fighting with the software to some General, extent. Generally, the more complex the tool, the more likely something is to break. You know, it happens with that to campaign. I know like last Black Friday, a bunch of people couldn't send out emails on um, Infusionsoft. Yeah. Infusion it was like overloaded yeah. or something like that, which is a huge problem. But generally speaking, like the more, as I said, complex the tool, the more likely this is to happen. I think it's also worth remembering that it's not a magician running it. It's like real people who make mistakes and, you know, just with complex software, things can go wrong. It's more about like how, how they handle a problem and how they deal with it, which can tell you a lot about whether you should really be investing in, you know, a tool long term. So I, I don't know, like, what was your, what was your thoughts on how Active Campaign handled that? Positive or negative? Or what, what do you think? I think the first time we contacted them, they just say, no, it's, it's a problem on your site, probably. Or like the girl would convince me that, I mean, she just would be like, oh, no, I see it's, it's working. Okay, see you later. Had to push like two or three times to, to actually get some senior technician to look into it. And eventually they recognized the issue. They did recognize the issue. They, it was all fixed within, I mean, it was all figured out within 36 hours. So it's not the end of the world. But when you have like, High value funnels running, it can be a lot of money, especially if you're paying for Facebook ads during that yeah. time and so on. And, and you know what? I'm saying that about Active Campaign, but it will happen with every single email provider. So don't think, I still recommend Active Campaign despite all of this. And it's still working well, it's still making us good money. So it's just, it's just, it will keep happening again and again. So yeah, it's not bad. I would still recommend it, but you often need to push back against the, at least the first level of support to get escalated, you know? I think a really good example of when that like good support really saved us was when we had that launch and the, there was a problem with the the site. Some plugin was updating or something, and like the site was down as we were doing a And yeah, you were on the uh, you were doing a webinar and on this at the same time <laughs> and on, on the, the chat, chat yeah. to Kinsta, and they like fixed the problem like right there and then. I would say it's an eight out of ten. They didn't actually fix the problem. You know, I had to log on the FTP yeah. and go and fix it. But they identified it for me, which is already really good. But Kinsta is like the highest rated web hosting service. It's also by far the most expensive. So uh, I think we pay over four hundred dollars per month on hosting, and you know, we could pay half of that if we want, if we really want it. 
It's okay. I, I, I wish this guy just went and deactivated the plugin, to be honest, especially because I was doing the webinar at the same time. He didn't, but at least he told me which one it was. And it took me like five minutes to fix it. So it wasn't so bad. And, and, and yeah, most web hosting services would just say, hey, just go and figure it out. Some plugin bugging. And yeah, you get that a lot with hosting um, companies. Like it's kind of like this blame circle. Like, oh, it's your plugin that's broken. The plugin says it's your hosting. Your hosting says it's a plugin and just goes round and round in circles. Oh, talking about shitty support stories. You know, like one thing that really surprised me because they're usually pretty good is uh, is SiteGround, actually. My personal trainer, you're using him as well, is trying to build a website right now. And he had, his site was down like literally two days ago. He had some issue with Cloudflare or something like this. He goes on the SiteGround support and literally the guy's like, uh, like they they kind of like fix it, but they're not super nice. And at the end, the guy's like, oh, congrats, your shitty site is back up or something like this. And I was like, wow, that, that is pretty shitty support. So I just wanted to highlight that because if it happens to you, I think SiteGround should definitely look into that anyway. So I was really not impressed with that. And then I got to appreciate Kinsta a bit more. <laughs> That's pretty, like they actually <laughs> said, like your shitty site is back up. Not your shitty site, but like your, like a, like, I think he said, oh, your amazing site is back up. And like, because this site was very basic, he was like, oh, are you kidding? And this guy was like, yes. Ah, uh, okay. That's a bit of a dick uh, move. Like, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't so great. Anyway, like we are affiliates for them, but, and they're pretty good hosts. They're good value for money, but this wasn't great actually. And, uh, and I actually, I'm going to email them. Anyway, let's just, let's just jump on the next thing. I think we should actually talk about affiliate programs and how they influence reviews and so on. Cause I think that's a, that's a, Decent transition, not our best, but you know, we do. We yeah, do so I mean, I, I've um, talked about this a lot in previous podcasts and, uh, you know, with the Bluehost example. Uh, so ba- basically, most tools. Do you want to talk about the commissions we made from Bluehost yeah, despite saying yeah. that they shouldn't buy So it? actually, this week I was logging into our Bluehost affiliate account because we joined it. Despite the fact that every single time when we mention Bluehost, it's in a okay. negative context to say there they are, are better hosting companies out there don't buy Bluehost. We still put the affiliate link there because why not? And over the last like three years, we made seven hundred and something dollars with that. So you know that gives you and, and we're again we're telling people not to buy it in this case, but some people inevitably still still do. So as maybe someone's gonna. Admittedly, seven hundred dollars in three years for Bluehost. I mean, but for yeah, you do that. yeah, yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. But really, where I'm going with this is affiliate programs really do drive influence in a you know strong way. Now, I know there's all these FTC rules, and you know every content creator is going to say I'm completely unbiased. I'm gonna you know do a fair review and stuff, but. Honestly, like, and and I'm talking about ourselves as well. Like, it's not always the case. Like, we try really, really hard to be as unbiased as possible and to like tell you which the what the best tool is, even if there's no affiliate program. But at the same time, I'm not going to lie. I'm like, for sure, we are. We're human. At the end of the day, we we're incapable of being completely unbiased. And I think that we're kind of like on the more on the kind of like towards the unbiased end of the spectrum not all the way there but there's a lot of people like really a lot of people who are completely the other way they will just promote whatever pays the highest and converts the highest without any moral kind of oversight on their own part there so you have to be a little bit careful when you're reading reviews online and and this is not just im tools this is about anything and you have to be 
I think they know these people are writing Amazon reviews left and right anyway. So, <laughs> so uh, I mean, you really do still have to be have to be careful with with, with these things. And I, I think a really good example is uh, in our space is Ahrefs and SEMrush. I don't know too many people who who would like honestly hand on their heart say that SEMrush is a better tool. In every kind of way we've looked at it, Ahrefs is better overall. But Ahrefs. It, it does have an affiliate program, but hardly anyone's in it and they don't really like push it very hard and they don't really let anyone, many people into it. And it doesn't convert nearly as well as, as SEMrush. So what happens is a lot of people end up promoting SEMrush when it's not the best tool for you. Same thing happens with Bluehost and, and other, other hosting companies as well. So, you know, that kind of makes it difficult for you as a business owner to really decide what the best tool is. Because when you're looking at what other people are saying, you're always going to be wondering, not if they're biased, because of course they're going to be biased, but like how biased are they really being here? Are they, you know, trying their best to to give an unbalanced opinion here? Or are they really just trying to make as much affiliate commission as possible by making this recommendation? I think it's not just that. It's also the way we make decisions. It's like we often settle for the first acceptable solution that comes our way, right? It's like the way humans are programmed to make decisions is not to keep searching forever for the best solution to whatever problem they have. It's just to deal with the problem in an acceptable way. And then once it's done, just jump onto the next thing in your life. And I think these companies, they've identified that in a very smart way. And so that's what they do. They fill the gap. They just do an okay job at their job. Bluehost, you know, it's not the best host, but it will host your website and you will be able to open it. It will do okay. SEMrush, you can do competitive research with it. It's okay. They're not the, and they don't have to try to be the best. They just have to be that solution that's good enough and then spend the rest of their money, instead of trying to make the tool better, spend the rest of their money in marketing and put it in front of as many people as possible. That includes paying affiliates more money. That includes buying more booths at conferences, et cetera, which they do. That includes, you know, being present at more places, higher, like pushing their blog harder, spending more money on ads, et cetera, et cetera. And so these companies, they're essentially built for profit. And if you're listening to this podcast, you want to make money. So I don't blame them. They're playing their marketing game smart, but for you as a consumer, it's not necessarily the best choice. I want to say as well, on you know, identifying which is the best tool and how biased we can be. I also want to say that we don't consistently test every version of every tool that gets released. So when we say Ahrefs versus SEMrush, there's a possibility that SEMrush updated their index this month, and it's like better than the Ahrefs one, at least for a month or for a couple of weeks or something. And I haven't tested it. So even what we're saying right now is based on the test that we've done last year. So they could have changed things a lot. And for that reason, when the review was done, it's quite important. That tells me that we definitely need to go back and update some reviews. Oh, for sure, for sure. Like what you're saying there is actually a really interesting sort of almost philosophical point because it's down to like how you ultimately manage your business. If If you spend eternity trying to figure out what the best tool is to run your business, you're not actually ever going to get any work done. So in many cases, it can be beneficial just to pick the you know the first acceptable solution, go with it, and you can always sort of hopefully change if re- if you really need to some point in future. But this like idea of like tool paralysis and you know neglecting the actual work that you're you know the core work that you're doing, creating content, building links, you know cre- making money online, that kind of stuff. Creating content, yeah, basically, creating content basically just do, just do yeah. those two things over and over <laughs> and over and it should work out for you. 
But no, I mean, like, uh, like we, I think, have a sort of bit of a perfectionist, tr- you know, trait, like, in that we're always trying to, you know, we spend an absurd amount of time trying to, like, do things perfectly when good enough may also suffice. But not always, but in, in many cases. That's not to say we're going to move to Bluehost anytime soon or anything like that, but it's a fair point. Some balance here in the podcast. I'll wait for the offer, <laughs> then we'll see, you know, it's like... It's like they can email me, gal at atariahacker.com, and then, then we'll talk about it. I think that also is a good segue into this uh, all-in-one versus specialized tool thing that we were talking about. And I think after that, we'll close it up. But I think it's quite an important one. There's kind of like two different kinds of tools. There's the tools that try to do everything for one problem. And there's the tools that try to do one task really well. So for example, a tool that tries to do everything, Infusionsoft or Entreport. A tool that tries to just do email marketing pretty well, get response for email, for example. That would be a good one. And or for example, you can take for keyword tools, right? I mean, now they're changing the strategy, but Keyword Finder used to be pretty good just at keyword tool. And now they're kind of moving towards the doing everything under the Mangul's brand. And so the question is, what should you be using? Should you be using an all-in-one that kind of like avoids any kind of integration problem, especially when you're building your site. So for us, when we build membership areas, for example, you know, having the access to the content, the checkout, managing the billing, managing the support, uh, doing the marketing and tying the purchases with the marketing campaigns so you can know which campaigns are working better. So it is a pain, yes, to integrate tools together. So when you come through to an all-in-one tool like Infusionsoft that can do absolutely everything for that, Versus having, and in the case of what we're using for the membership, for the new membership, we're actually not using Thinkific, which I mentioned before. I've actually changed my mind. So we're going to be using LearnDash for the LMS, i.e. for the interface, for the user, for the learning interface. We're going to be using Active Members 360, which is a membership plugin on WordPress tied together with Active Campaign. We're going to be using PayKick Start for Checkout. What else do we use? That's and obviously this um, crisp.chat for the um, support. So that's like five tools to integrate. But the thing is, we talked about this. Tools do stop being updated. Tools do go in different directions, like intercom.io that used to be more generalist and became more of a software as a service tool. It didn't match what we did anymore, et cetera. And so when you tie yourself with an all-in-one, if they decide to go in a weird direction with their checkout option, then it's messy. If they decide to go in a... If they decide to go in a weird direction with their membership, it's also going to be messy. Or in general, if a t- company com- comes with like specialization in just email marketing, they tend to release features a lot faster. So like Active Campaign now has these Facebook integrate Facebook ads integrations that are amazing. They have you know on-site messaging. They have SMS built in. SMS kind of built into Entreport and Infusionsoft, but it's better overall. The email experience on its own is better, and so. What's cool as well is like, let's say one day active campaign just turns to trash. I don't know why, maybe their deliverability gets really bad and people don't receive our emails. So there's really not much of a point using them anymore. Then moving to a tool like, let's say get response is, is fairly easy. And doesn't mean that we have to rebuild absolutely everything in our business. Whereas when you take an all-in-one and I'm going to take another example, ClickFunnels, which does tend to do everything these days. Well, you have to move your membership area to something else. You essentially have to rebuild your entire business. You have to rebuild your emails. You have to rebuild your checkout. 
Sometimes you have to rebuild integrations with payment processors, depending on what you use. If you, if you were using Thinkific checkout, for example, that is going to be the case. So my recommendation actually in all-in-ones versus single items is I would say, if you are a beginner and you are limited on time and you're launching, and I'm going to focus specifically on products here because that's the most striking example of that, then I would say all-in-ones are probably better because they save you a ton of setup time. So like taking Thinkific just to do everything on their free plan, you can launch a course in one week and that's quite great. But you will quickly reach the ceiling or reach something extremely frustrating with that tool, i.e. they force you to build a second site for your course. Don't ask me why, it's kind of how it works. One click upsells are pretty bad with Thinkific, et cetera. So you will come through something that will hinder your growth massively. And eventually, you're going to have to make that move towards your own stuff and also splitting the responsibilities. You're going to have to have a dedicated checkout company. You're going to have to have dedicated member area, dedicated LMS, et cetera, et cetera. And so I would say if you're starting out, go for an all-in-one if you really have nothing. And then... Eventually, just know that you will have this jump where you will need to split things. But going for an all-in-one when you already have a business, we've always been frustrated with it. And that's our experience. And for, I do know, we actually, we have a friend who runs a decent membership on Infusionsoft and does it pretty well. So some people do it, but you, you will be not doing exactly what you want, which can be frustrating. Do you want to say anything on all-in-ones versus single I mean, single uh, focus no, products. not really. I mean, just there are pros and cons to to each. So it's not as if it's it's not it's never a clear cut solution. I think either way, I know people who use all in one solutions who have had lots of like you know really painful problems, and I know lots of people who use you know lots of different things who you know when some connection breaks or something, the whole thing falls apart. Yeah, it's really so difficult. Yeah. It can be really difficult to fix if you don't have a you know, technical person on your team. So there are pros and cons to, to each. I think generally we prefer the lots of different tools kind of option just because we're, I'd say we're fairly like advanced users of a lot of these features. And, you know, some of the, I guess, cookie cutter setups that the all-in-one tools use don't really work for us. Although I would kind of argue active campaigns, like kind of becoming an all-in-one tool in a way. I mean, yeah, but they focus on yeah, communication, yeah. like on one mission. True, they, true. they will never if they they won't release a member area or something like or checkout. I don't think so. So it's it's not so bad. It's 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 kind of a blurry line though. You would, you could argue that they do SMS and email, for example. So like, why don't you use an SMS and yeah. an email tool? So yeah, I, I agree. It is a blurry line. And if these companies want to grow, they have to expand the the ranch. So it kind of makes sense, but. Overall, I would say when you pick all-in-ones, you don't exactly get what you want. Uh, I know, I mean, I know some people that literally test people on Infusionsoft to hire them just because it's so painful and complicated that they literally just make it a test. And if you can go through it, then you're hired. So, <laughs> so that, is, that is how frustrating some of these tools can be. So yeah, tools will sell you, they, they will essentially sell you the dream. They'll tell you it's all autopilot. They'll tell you, it's all magical and stuff. And they can be massively useful. It's super important to pick the right tools. And it's super important to rely on them and to not do everything manually. If I was sending you guys an email manually for this podcast, it would be taking a while. Um, but because it's an active campaign, it's pretty easy. So they can do a lot, but just know that they don't just cost money. They cost time. They cost learning. 
So you need to pick your battles. And that's essentially how I'm going to end it on this podcast. Anything to, do, to finish uh, on? No, I think we talked a lot about different tools, like the, the sort of tool <laughs> theory, I guess. You're never going to get it right. So when you inevitably do make mistakes, like don't stress too much about it. Don't beat yourself up too much about it. Like try and learn uh, from these experiences as you've kind of heard we did with the you know whole Thrive thing and like, oh, well, can we simplify our content? You know, how do we get out of this in future? You know, that, that kind of thing. But yeah, aside from that, trust our rec- trust our recommendations. Like we, uh, <laughs> I know I said we we we're n- we can never be fully unbiased because we're human, but we really do try hard to recommend what is like the tools you actually need and that are like actually the best, even if they don't have an affiliate program. So. To this, to this, I would add. To this, I would add. If you want our recommendation. Just give it two or three weeks. The new site is going to come out and I've updated the recommended tools section. All right. So I have the page in front of me. There is less tools than there used to be, actually. We, generally, we narrow down the amount of tools we use. So for the essentials, I've put SiteGround, despite the story with the support. Ahrefs, which is our default SEO tool. It does everything for SEO, really, apart from outreaching. Elementor for just site building in general. Active campaign for email. Kinsta is also recommended if you want high-end hosting. It's expensive though. So yeah, just know that. And for CDN, we use KeyCDN. Uh, it's pretty cheap and it's pretty good actually. For WordPress teams, I've put GeneratePress and Astra. So the new authority hacker is built on Astra. The new authority site system too, uh, as well. AAWP is there for Amazon Associates. SearchTFA plugins is still here. So it is an um, a link manager for affiliate links. Get response is also recommended for email if you do a lot of affiliate marketing because Active Campaign is not super fun of a lot of email marketing tools. Uh, for lead generation, Optin Monster in there and have Glim.io. They're both pretty good tools. Mailshake is obviously there. Hunter.io for outreach email. So really two tools that we use quite a bit. Pay Kickstart for checkout. Webinar Jump for webinars. Hotjar for analytics just for heat maps, uh, surveys, etc. And for productivity, I have G Suite, I have Asana that we use a lot, Camtasia, and Slack. So that's essentially what's going to be on the new tools page if you want to have a little bit of a preview. I guess we're going to put the links in the show notes and you can find the show notes on authorityhacker.com slash tools. That's 2018. So thanks for listening to this podcast. We'll see you next week. Have a good week. Thanks for listening to the Authority Hacker Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, don't forget to rate us on iTunes and send us a screenshot on authorityhacker.com slash bonus to claim your free premium Authority Hacker training.